This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Well, let's start with our prayers from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 16 to 23. Ephesians 1, 16 to 23, and Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. I know you've been praying these prayers for yourself. So we'll just keep at it. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us in this class. I ask that you give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. That we may know what's the hope of your calling. And what the riches of the glory of your inheritance and the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power. To us, word who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. You put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that you'll grant us according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by your Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto you who is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. According to your power that is at work in us. Unto you be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus. Throughout all ages. World without end. In Jesus name. And everybody said. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we said on Sunday. We said number one. It will do the believer good it will do the believer tremendous good to pray for revelation knowledge of his authority in christ uh someone helping me to put that up it will do the believer tremendous good to pray for revelation knowledge of his authority in christ and um scriptures ephesians 1 16 to 23 and ephesians 3 14 to 21 we also said this we said be consistent as you pray these prayers stay with it repeatedly over time and make sure you are also spending quality time studying and meditating on the word these prayers as well as those in philippians 1 9 to 11 colossians 1 9 to 14 and second thessalonians 1 11 to 12 can be prayed not only for oneself but also for other christians so you pray these prayers for ourselves it will do a world of good then number two, we said this, that God made man in his image and after his likeness and gave Adam dominion over the earth. Adam disobeyed God and committed high treason, selling out to the devil. And therefore Satan became the God of this world, falling heir to man's authority. And then we gave several scriptures to illustrate that from Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Psalm 8 from verse 4 to 6, Genesis 2, 16 to 17, Genesis 3, 1 to 15, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and Luke 4, 5 to 8, especially 
that passage in Luke from the Amplified. The Amplified amplifies it. So that's how we lost our authority. Originally we had it. God gave dominion to Adam, to mankind. But then man disobeyed God, selling out to the devil, choosing to submit to Satan. And that was it. That's how we forfeited that dominion. But the good news is this, that was only the first Adam. There was and is a second Adam who's also the last Adam. Praise the Lord. And we said number three, Jesus defeated the devil through his death, burial, and resurrection and brought the devil to naught, reduced him to nothing. He stripped Satan of the authority and he, and he delegated it to the church. And then we saw several scriptures that bring that out. Praise God. Colossians 2.15, Hebrews 2.14 and 15, Revelation 1.17 and 18, 1 Corinthians 2.6, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, and Ephesians 1.19 to 23. And then number 4, we said that at the new birth, the believer inherited the legal right to use the name of Jesus, and consequently authority over the devil and all his cohorts. Mark 16, 17, John 14, 12 to 14, Ephesians 1, 3. And then we also went further to say that the believer needs to know in his spirit that he has this authority and then act upon the knowledge thereof. John 8, 32, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. Hosea 4, 6, my people are gone into captivity because uh, uh, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Isaiah 5.13, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So knowledge is vital. Knowledge, revelation knowledge, exact knowledge in our spirits. And that will come as we sit before these mighty truths, depending on the Holy Spirit to open them up to our spirits. Praise God. Then number five, which was where we started yesterday, we said authority is delegated power and its value depends upon the force that is back of the user. Authority is delegated power. That's what it is. The value of the authority depends on the force that's back of the user. Now, who's back of our authority? What stands back of our authority? Deity does. Amen. God does. Jesus, who is the second person of the Godhead, God the Son, conferred the authority upon us. Amen. Luke 10, 19 said, Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the ability, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Therefore, God himself is the force. He is the corporation that stands back of our authority. Amen. Then number six, we said the basis of our authority as believers, the basis of the believer's authority is the resurrection and seating of Christ at the right hand of the Father by God himself. That's the basis of it. The resurrection and the seating of Christ at the right hand of the Father by God himself. Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. Ephesians 2, 5 to 6. We are identified with Christ in the finished work of redemption. We're identified with him. He did it for us. He wasn't a Messiah. He acted in our stead. He was our substitute. Then number seven, we said that faith plays a key role in the exercise of the authority of the believer. Faith plays a key role. So from 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil, 
as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. But the word of God says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The American Standard Version says, in your faith. So you see, faith has something to do with resisting the devil. Faith has something to do with resisting the devil. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Kings exercise authority through words. Job 22.28 says, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. Now we know the way faith is released. Faith is released with words. In Mark 11.23, Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. See, Mark eleven twenty three is God's unalterable law of faith. It will work for whosoever, and it will work on whatsoever. Amen. And you see, because First Peter 5 9 says something about faith being involved with resisting the devil praise god he said what if my faith is not strong enough listen it took faith to get saved amen you're a faith child of the faith god you've got the spirit of faith you're a believer you're not a doubter the day you got saved and came into christ the legal right to use the name of jesus became yours amen you see authority doesn't have a thing to do with feeling you don't have to feel authority to use it. it. has nothing to do with it. See, when that traffic warden lifts up his hand, you know, his mind may be saying, will these guys stop? Will they not stop? What if they don't stop? Well, all he has to do is to put up his hand. But I don't feel like I have authority. It has nothing to do with it. It's not a function of feeling. In the same way, when you hold up your hand against that of oncoming devil, and you say, thus far, no father, Mr. Devil, then he's got to stop in his tracks because he recognizes that authority. Amen. So it's not a function of our feelings. It's based on God's word. Praise God. Second Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by feelings. Sometimes after giving the command of authority and telling the devil to leave, you know, or to stop, desist in his maneuver, stop in his operations, there are times that it look like he didn't hear you. There are times he will behave like he's a dumb and deaf spirit. Are you listening? But don't be bothered. You have spoken, right? You have given the command of faith. It will be carried out. So you don't go, you know, hey, devil, is it not you I'm talking to? Hey, can't you hear me? Can't you hear me? It's like the story I heard. You know, I think I shared it on Sunday. It told these guys to go catch a certain fellow. Then one of them shouted, I caught him, I caught him, I caught him. Then they told him, bring him. And he said he won't come. Oh. Then they told the guy, all right, if he won't come, you come. He said, well, he won't let me come. <laughs> no, you didn't catch him. He caught you. You understand? Yeah. Once a king speaks, that's it. It will be carried out. Everything being equal. And in this kingdom, everything is equal. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We've got the authority. We've got the authority. And it's ours for the using. Amen. So just stand your ground. You've given the command of faith, stand your ground based on what you already said. So let's say two days after, the situation still looks the same. You say, well, two days ago, I told the devil to take his hands off of it. He's got no choice about it. I've already spoken in faith. 
Through the eyes of faith, I see the victory already. Through the eyes of faith, I see myself healed. I see the problem gone. See, that's what to do. You don't go hollering at him. You know, there's a difference between inspiration and perspiration. Authority is not shouting. No. Actually, sometimes shouting is when you are really not in authority. When you're in authority, you know what, all you've got to do is to speak. Yes, there's the tone of authority that comes from your voice. There's conviction. When someone is speaking out of conviction, you see the Pharisees, they heard Jesus. They said with authority, that he taught with authority. Yeah. So we can hear it in your voice. We can hear the depth of conviction. But you see, there's a difference between conviction and just shouting. It's not shouting. It's not uh, power and might. It's based on the word of God. Well, number eight, which was where we stopped yesterday. We said every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it to reap the benefits. Every believer has authority over the devil. And he needs to exercise it to reap the benefits. If you don't exercise it, you're not going to reap the benefit. You can have authority and not know you have authority. It won't do you any good. You can have authority, know you have authority, and not exercise the authority. It won't do you any good either. So we need to exercise that authority to reap the benefits. For a believer to pray to God, asking God to do something for him about the devil, is for that believer to waste his time. Many of us have wasted a lot of precious time. Or for us to, you know, talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus, help us do something about the devil. You're wasting your time. He's already done all he's going to do. He's defeated him. And he's given us the authority. So the authority is ours. Whether we use it or we don't use it, it's ours. Amen. And then we saw several scriptures. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Mark 16, 17. James 4, 7. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. And James chapter 4 and verse 7. James 4, 7 was where we left off. God's word says there, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Amen. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. Ephesians 4, 27. So you see, we can resist him. He's not irresistible. We can stand against him. When we stand against him, he's going to run. He's going to run as in terror because he has been defeated. Now number eight. Number nine, sorry. Number nine. The believer needs to put on the whole armor of God so that he can successfully stand against the wiles of the devil. The believer needs to put on the whole armor of God. I'll dictate it. It's also on the screen. The believer needs to put on the whole armor of God so that he can stand successfully against the wiles of the devil. The believer needs to put on the whole armor of God so he can stand successfully against the wiles of the devil. The believer needs to put on the whole armor of God so he can stand successfully against the wiles of the devil. Now, turn with me to Ephesians 6. You know what? You can hold on. What's on the screen? I will say it. Hmm? Just relax. If you've written that, that the believer needs to put on the whole armor of God so that he can stand successfully against the wiles of the devil. That's fine. Scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Once you've written that, you can put down your pen. You say, but, but there's still more. Just relax. Hmm? You're a believer, right? He that believeth shall never make haste, isn't it? All right. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. 
Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. And we'll start from verse 10. Ephesians 6 from verse 10. It says there, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice it doesn't say be strong in yourself. No, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How does one get to be strong in the Lord? How does one get to be strong in the power of his might? Two things there. Number one, be strong in the Lord. Number two, also be strong in the power of his might. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Remember that in John's Gospel, the first chapter, the first verse, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2 says the same was in the beginning with God, and all things are made by him. Verse 3, and, he, uh, and without him was not anything made that was made. Talking about the Word of God. The Greek word for word there is logos. Now, verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. To be strong in the Lord is to be strong in the Word, because he is the Word, right? He is the living Word. Jesus is the living Word of God. The Bible is the written Word of God. To be strong in the Lord is to be strong in the Word. See, the written Word is given to unveil the living word to us. You don't know God any more than you know his word. You don't love God any more than you love his word because he is one with his word. If your word is no good, you're no good. Amen. And God's word is good because he's one with his word. He's one with his word. So to be strong in the Lord is to be strong in the word. To be strong in the word. Now, if you read from verse 14 of Ephesians 6, through to verse 17, you'll see different aspects of God's word. The armor is spoken of that the believer is to put on. And then we see there are different aspects of God's word that are emphasized in relation to that armor. For instance, the word of God says in verse 13, Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins get about with truth. You see, watch truth. That belt of truth, girdle of truth, represents, and you might write, a clear-cut understanding of the Word of God. A clear-cut understanding of the Word of God. You may write that down. The girdle of truth represents a clear-cut understanding of the Word of God. A clear-cut understanding of the Word of God. Just like um, uh, a, a soldier's belt, it helps put all the other pieces of the armor in place. Are you listening? Yeah, you may put the scriptures off so that the folks up can see. Uh, praise God. Girdle of truth represents, no, put that off too. Just um, be right here. Praise God. Yeah, leave that off. Just let it focus on the teacher who's teaching or the instructor. Uh, still showing the scripture. Just show me now, not the scripture. Yeah, we put scriptures first. And we're not trying to put attention off the word of God, but I want to get our attention. Praise God. Amen. Well, they'll get that up in a bit. So, like I said, to be strong in the Lord is to be strong in his word. To be strong in his word. In reading from Ephesians 6, from verse 13 through to 17, we see different pieces of the armor being spoken of. And all those pieces, in one way or another, are related to the word of God. For instance, it says, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins 
get about with truth, the girdle of truth. Like a soldier's, the, the, what Paul was using there is a soldier's armor because they understood that. R Rome ruled the world. They knew something about Roman soldiers. So he was trying to get them to see that so they'll understand about the armor. So the, the belt put every other thing in place. And then he says this, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, what does that mean? You see, Jesus is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Jesus is our righteousness. We put him on in the new birth, right? And then by understanding that we have the righteousness of God, the breastplate of righteousness, our understanding of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, putting on Christ, knowing that our past is remitted, knowing that our sins are forgiven. Is it on on that screen? It's not on here. I mean, just show me. It's showing upstairs. Okay. All right. Leave the scriptures. I, they won't be looking at... I don't want them looking at this. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Anyway. So the breastplate of righteousness, right? What does that mean? Two things. First, us putting on Jesus, who is our righteousness. That happens at the new birth. And then, by being saved, you become the righteousness of God. But not only are you the righteousness of God, you need to know that. You need to understand righteousness. And that's you putting on that breastplate of righteousness. Then the second thing that means is this. Our active obedience to the word of God. Our active obedience to the word of God. Because we are to obey God's word. Girdle of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. And then it talks about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, that's a faithful ministry in proclaiming the gospel. Every believer has been given the Great Commission, right? And we ought to be faithful at that, putting out the Great Commission. A faithful ministry in proclaiming the word of God. And then, it talks again, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's faith in the blood of Jesus. Where no dart of the enemy can penetrate. Faith in the finished work of redemption. Praise God. Bible talks about it as a shield. A shield. Then it says, and take on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. What does the helmet of salvation speak of? For one, it talks about us renewing our with God's word. Renewing our minds with God's word. And then secondly, you know, the Bible speaks in 1 John chapter 3 verse 3. That he that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he's pure. It also talks about the hope of Jesus' return. And that's a purifying hope that helps to protect us, protect our minds in these days of people falling away from the truth. Amen. The helmet of salvation. And then the sixth piece of that armor, it says, And taking, uh, take the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All the five pieces mentioned, the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet short, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, they are all protective. They are all protective. 
But then, the Bible now talks about one piece of that armor that is offensive. The other pieces are defensive. This is offensive. The only offensive piece of that armor, he calls it the word of God. The word used for word there is rhema. So it's actually the spoken word of God. You speaking the word of God. When the devil comes at you, just like he came at Jesus, and he tempted him to do wrong, what did Jesus use to whip the devil? The word of God. Told the devil, it is written. Amen. So that's what we use to whip the devil. When he comes with tests, when he comes with trials, we tell him it is written. And we tell him what is written. So we need to know what is written. Amen. So that word built in our spirits and then spoken with our mouths from our hearts. Amen. Is what we use to put the devil on the run. Now, so far, six pieces have been mentioned, right? You notice that all these six pieces have to do with God's word. The girdle of truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30. And he's the word of God. And it also speaks of our active obedience to God's word. Romans 6, from verse 15 to 23. says, What then? Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death, of obedience unto righteousness. He says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded, remember, servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity, unto iniquity. Even so now ye remember, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, what fruit had ye then in those things? Whereof ye are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin, and become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see, righteousness is used in that context, talking about our obedience to God's word, our obeying God's word. Yes, we are the righteousness of God. And because we are the righteousness of God, we do righteousness. We do God's word. You see, that also relates to the word. Then, the feet, the shoes of truth. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Feet shod with what? Preparation of what? The gospel of peace. Watch the gospel. It's the message. So that's also in relation to the word, isn't it? Amen. And then the fourth piece says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All those six pieces, they relate to God's word. So the way to be strong in the Lord is to be strong in the word. Are you listening? But notice, we are not only to be strong in the Lord. We are also to be strong in the power of his might. Now, what does it mean to be strong in the power of God's might? Acts 1.8 says, But he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Amplified Version of that says, But ye shall receive power ability, amplified classic, efficiency, and might after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, the power of God's might is the Holy Ghost. Are you listening? If we're to remain undefeated and to walk in absolute triumph over the devil and his own slots, we need to be, number one, strong in the Word, and then, number two, strong in the Holy Ghost. See, yes, we have the Word of God. 
that tells us about our authority. But you see, we also have the Holy Spirit as our teacher who will help us in that ministry of authority as we administer our authority, as we exercise our authority. Now, Jesus' temptation in Luke 4, 1 to 13, same thing is found in Matthew 4, 1 to 11. We know how Jesus overcame the devil on all those counts, all those three counts. He used the word. And we emphasize that. And that should be emphasized because that's the primary key. But there's something that we shouldn't overlook. And it's this. Notice that Luke 4, 1 says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So he was full of the Holy Ghost. And then you notice that he was prayed up. Are you listening? So, he spoke the word of God. He used the word of God to put the devil on the run. But he did it from a position of being full of the Holy Ghost. Being prayed up. Amen. We are strong in the Lord by being strong in the word. But also, we need to be strong in the Holy Ghost. Who is the power of God's might? How do we get strong in the Holy Ghost? Verse 18. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The way we get strong in the power of God's might is to be strong in prayer. Amen. Now we have the armor on. So we're ready for the prayer fight. We're ready for the prayer conquests. Need to be strong in prayer. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now the amplified version of that says that the continued earnest heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working now how are we going to make power available by praying in the holy ghost praying in the holy ghost praying in the holy ghost so that's how to put the armor on being strong in the word i mean strong in the holy ghost now we're told six uh uh aspects of god's word we need to be strong in a clear understanding of the word of God. Our righteousness in Christ. Faithful ministry in preaching the gospel. Amen. A shield of faith to withstand the fairy darks of the wicked. Our minds renewed with God's word. And having the hope of Jesus' soon return. And then knowing how to wield that word and speak it in faith. Praise God. To the circumstances, to the situations. Those are aspects of God's word we need to be strong in. To have the armor on. Amen. And then, to be strong in the Holy Ghost, he now says, praying always. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereon too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's clear, right? Alright. So going back to Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He says, put on the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, what are we to do with the wiles of the devil? Stand against them. Our only battle position, our battle stance against the devil is to stand. Just stand. He has been defeated. He has been defeated. So what are we to do where the devil is concerned? Just stand. Just stand your ground. That's all. Just stand your ground. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, or wicked spirits in the heavenly places. The margin puts it. Now, that gives us the four classes of demons. 
that we have to contend with. Are you listening to me? Now, some people, rather than getting the emphasis there that he's saying that really the enemy is not people. It's not the witch in the village. It's not your father's second wife. It's not that person in your office that doesn't like you. It's not that neighbor that, you know, is envious of. It's not all that. That is talking about the fact that there's an enemy arrayed against us and there are spiritual forces behind the scene. Rather than see that point, some people, all they see is wrestle. And they think we're in WrestleMania with the devil. WWF, Mighty Igor. Well, if you don't know Mighty Igor, I have an idea how old you are. If you don't know Mil Mascaras, I have an idea how old you are. Ox Baker, no Ox Baker. Then there was this bulldog fellow. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Ernie, Ernie Lad or something. You know, there were those guys there. You know, and then in more recent times, you have a Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I know this is not a wrestling class, but it's okay to have fun in class, right? Isn't it? Yeah, just keep looking straight. They won't know you don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> they won't know you're a millennial. <laughs> Praise God. Some people's idea of, you know, hey, there's the devil, oh, we're wrestling with the devil. You know, and they have this thing as if you're in a boxing bout, you give the devil the left jab, he gives you an uppercut, you give him two, he gives you six. My God, the points are in favor of the devil is 56 39. The devil is winning, the devil is winning, but your father is a referee. So, what your father does is this he makes sure he doesn't call, he doesn't blow the whistle until you equalize. And if the devil catches you by the ropes, he, then your father will just whistle, Whoa! listen, listen, listen. That's not the kind of God that God is. That's, that's, that's not fair. That's injustice. That's not the picture, you know. Or, you know, when they're doing those wrestling contests and one fellow slams the other guy on the ground and then he's trying to do a pinfall, then they count one and then you can see some of those referees who are partial, you know. When he's counting for the guy he likes, he just goes one, two, three. Oh, the winner. When it's the guy he likes that is on the floor, he goes one. Then he goes... Then he says, look, his, his leg is up. His leg is up. He's not really down. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not in a wrestling context with the devil in that sense. Yes, is the enemy arrayed against us. But when you read Ephesians 6.12, read it in the light of Ephesians 1. Read it in the light of Ephesians 2. Read it in the light of the fact that the Holy Ghost just got through telling us that Jesus brought this fellow to naught. That we are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. So we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Yes, are there forces arrayed against us? There are. But we are not contending with them to see who will win. We may be militant. Amen. Because the Bible says from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers or allows violence. The violent take it by force. Now, that's not talking about going to beat people up or going to cause trouble. No, 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 no. But it's talking about being aggressive in your spirit. Yeah, kingdom of heaven allows that. Taking what's yours, taking your rights, taking a hold of what belongs to you in Christ. That's fine. So, some people think we are the militant church, militating with the devil. Hey, we and the devil. We and the devil. The devil are us. The devil are us. Wake up in the morning. Hey, today has, today has come. Oh. Hey, devil mustn't defeat you. You know we're in warfare. You know we're in warfare. And that's some people's idea of Christianity. It's a struggle. They're struggling with the devil to see who will win. Listen, he has been defeated. He has been defeated. Yes, we're an army. But we're not a fighting army. We're an occupational army. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Yes. 
He's already gone. He's brought the due to nothing. He just says, guys, just go and rehearse the victory. Just go and rehearse it. Just go and act it out. Just go and enforce what is already yours. Take advantage of what's already yours. Mop up the victory that's yours. Gather up the spoils because the victory is ours. Do we see that? Amen. So he says, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, or wicked spirits in the heavenlies. He now says in verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. You see, every once in a while, there comes an evil day. What was that evil day? You know, there are times it just looks like all hell woke up and it was just you that they were thinking about. As there's one attack here, there's another one here, there's another one here. What's that? It's an evil day. Yeah, what if there's an evil day? And so, big deal. What do we do in those evil days? We withstand. We withstand. Let him throw his hardest punches. Let, his bring his, let him bring his toughest onslaughts. He has been defeated. And we know it. So we're not doing battle with him. When he comes with all those things, all we just need to do is to stand. Just stand. Just withstand him. Just withstand him. And the Bible says, and having done all to stand, stand. Sometimes, I've heard people say, well, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm speaking the word. I'm standing my ground. The situation hasn't changed yet. Yeah, that's how to put it, because it will change. What do I need to do? Just keep standing. Just keep standing. Having done all to stand, stand. You can't go under for going over. Are you listening to me? We've got the victory. We've got the victory. We're not ignorant of the devil's device. We're in a world where the devil is God. But what's the big deal? He's afraid of us to his wits. Because Jesus brought him to naught. And Jesus did it for us. So put on that armor. You see, if you don't have your armor in place, you expose yourself to the devil. The way to remain undefeated is to have the armor on, bright and shining. Have on your armor. All the pieces of that armor. Put everything in place. Amen. The armor will protect you. And then, with the armor on, you are now ready for the prayer fight. Be strong in the Lord. How do we get strong in the Lord? By being strong in the word. And be strong in the power of his might. How do you do that? By being strong in the Holy Ghost. I met people had trouble with this addiction, that addiction, and all that. Well, what I always encourage them is this. Get born again. Don't just get born again. Know who you are in Christ. But make sure you also get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You see, there's something about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Praying in other tongues. You are making power available. You are making power available. God's word is what we use to whip the devil. But you see, there's something about when your spirit is charged up and built up. Then it's able to wield that sword like it ought to. Amen. Praying in tongues is not going to give you faith. The only thing that gives faith is God's word. But praying in the Holy Ghost will build you up on your faith. Jude 20. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. There's a building up you get from praying in the Holy Ghost you won't get from the word. You understand? Yes, we put the word first. We must put the word first. But listen, don't just be a word man. It was said of Smith, it goes off. That he was first a man of the word. And then second, a man of the Holy Ghost. See, that's the excellent combination. That's the winning team. Amen. And in our ministry of authority, yes, we use God's word. 
We are schooled in God's word. We take our place in the word, but we also have the Holy Ghost. Are there times when the Spirit of God may bring something to your attention and say, you need to deal with this? Yes, there are. You say, what if it doesn't bring anything to my attention? Then you're okay. I go as much by what God doesn't tell me by the Holy Ghost as I do what he tells me. I'm an intelligent being. He's an intelligent being. Provided I'm walking in fellowship with God, if there's something I need to know, he will let me know. Because I stay on talking terms with him. If he doesn't see anything, I just keep walking in light of what he's already said. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.